Welcome to Down There Aware. I'm Alex. And I'm Mary, Alex's mama. Each week we sit down to discuss various topics concerning gynecologic cancers and women's health care. In 2019, at the age of 32, I was diagnosed with uterine cancer and became painfully aware of just how unaware I was of everything down there. On this podcast, we interview experts, share personal stories, and explore new research. No subject is off limits, so we caution you to listen at your own discretion. Hello to all our listeners. We welcome you back. This week, we decided, and I don't know if that decision was based on (laughs) something going on in our lives or just a decision we made after discussion, but we decided to talk a little bit about women and stress. Um, I found a uh, pretty thorough definition of stress on the Cleveland Clinic website. We'll have those links in our show notes on our webpage. Um, But I want to read this uh, definition from the Cleveland Clinic site. What is stress? Stress is your body's response to the daily events that occur in your life. Everyone experiences stress. I thought that was noteworthy. Mm -hmm. Stress can be positive and motivate women to achieve notable goals. But stress can also be negative and destructive, taking its toll in many life areas. When stress becomes chronic or excessive... It becomes harder to adapt and cope. Chronic stress builds up so that stress seems like a normal way of life for some women. Oftentimes, women are so busy that they do not take time to slow down long enough to think about stress, to, excuse me, to think how stress is negatively affecting them. Um, and that just put into a few words what we've been talking about in regard to stress. Certainly it can be a positive thing and it can be motivating, but I'm thinking probably more times than not, it can be destructive. Well, and I think it's also seen as destructive. I mean, I don't think of the word stress as positive, even no, I though don't either. the mm-hmm. definition, you know, can mean a positive um, outcome or can push you to do things. But um, yeah, I think overall we consider it pretty negative. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, um, I remember years ago, I had a conversation with my husband, Alex's daddy about, um, I don't, I don't know that I referred to it as stress, but I was a stay at home mom at the time. And so I had a fairly flexible schedule and he was working outside the home. Um, And he had come home from work that day, and I'd totally forgotten to do something. I don't even remember all those details. But he said something like, you know, I I just can't believe you forgot that because, you you know, you're not working outside the home. You don't have that much going on, and I can't believe you forgot that. And, And I stopped and thought a minute, and I thought, you know what? I have a four-year-old who every other minute I'm thinking, has he grown out of that size shoe? When I buy long sleeve shirts for winter, what size will I need? I had a, an infant at the same time. 
you know, is she eating what she's supposed to eat? Is she, you know, does her diaper look like it's supposed to? You know, so all during the day, those are the things that were on my mind. I wasn't managing people. I wasn't doing reports. I wasn't reporting to an office, but my mind was filled with stressful things. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I was a pretty stressful infant. (laughs) But I think that's, you know, a really good thing to point out is that people feel stress from different situations. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I found a couple reports from, uh, did you know there is an American Institute of Stress? No. Yes. We are stressed out so much in America that we needed to form an institute to study it. (laughs) That's a scary thought. (laughs) It is. So what I found interesting Um, And the website is stress.org. So we'll definitely put that on our website. But what I found interesting on their homepage, um, they have some statistics from 2014 and 2017. And the interesting part to me was comparing the two. So the top causes for stress in the U.S. in 2014 were job pressure, Money, health, relationships, poor nutrition, media overload, and sleep deprivation. In that order. Mm. So the top stress was uh, job pressure. Now, fast forward to 2017. Think about the changes that happened from 2014 to 2017 in our world and in our country. The um, most common sources for stress in 2017, the top one was the future of our nation. Mm. 63% of people said that. Number two was money, still. Mm. Number Always. Th- mm-hmm. Number three was work. So that was still a stressor, but not as high up on the, um, the list there. Next was political climate. And finally, violence and crime. Mm. So just in the span of um, three years... Things took a turn, and there seemed to be more outside stressors than inside stressors, you know, in the home or in our bodies, um, concerned about our health. And I was really disappointed that poor nutrition was on the list in 2014, and that included uh, inadequate nutrition, caffeine overload, processed foods, and refined sugars. So, Mm. um, you know, people get stressed out about a lot of things. Yeah. I In my research, I found that men and women kind of, um, they both get stressed about money, about relationships, um, about health. But um, women, in addition to those things, uh, get stressed about being a caregiver, uh, either for children and or elderly parents. And um, that seems to be a huge addition to the other things that men are concerned about. And I think certainly there are men who are caregivers, but oftentimes that role does fall to the woman. And um, I think women are naturally caregivers. Uh, So even if the man is helping with the caregiving, I think maybe um, the woman might be more stressed about it just because that's who we are. Um, so I thought that was interesting. The, the other thing that really hit home for me was what are the symptoms of stress? And the first one I read on the 
clinic uh, Cleveland Clinic website was headaches. Yeah, that's the number one on the American Institute <laughs> page too. Well, and and I've suffered from migraines for years and years, and even found a fabulous uh, doctor in Orlando who is a headache specialist and did some trials with him and um, really worked through what my triggers were. And stress was one of them. Now I had many others, but at least if you know what they are, you can kind of try to work with them. I think stress is probably one of the harder things to work with. Um, Another symptom would be like emotional overload, uh, depression, anger, sadness, uh, irritability, you know, feeling like you're out of control. If any of those emotions um, reach an extreme, then that certainly might be a symptom. Um, our mental health, forgetfulness, worry, we're not unable to make decisions or we have a lot of negative thinking, we can't focus or we feel bored all the time. Um, those are symptoms of stress. Occupational would be work overload. Some people are just workaholics. Uh, tense relations, poor concentration, and having an unfulfilling job. Um, that can sure cause stress. And then social and spiritual. Social, less intimacy, isolation, family problems, and loneliness. Spiritual. And Sadie's agreeing with me. If you can hear her little squeaky toy, <laughs> she would like to be a part of this podcast. Um, and then spiritual. Apathy, loss of meaning, emptiness, unforgiveness, doubt, guilt, and despair. So I do think it's important to look at what some of the symptoms are. Now, certainly if you feel a certain way one day and the next day you're better, um, I think you've probably reached a point where you were able to control your stress. Well, and what I found interesting, the list of um, the American Institute of Stress has 50 common signs and symptoms of stress, and many that Mom mentioned are on there. But the things that... um, really struck me were how stress manifests physically in our bodies. So it includes things like stuttering and stammering, neck ache and back pain, um, ringing in the ears, um, even cold, sweaty hands and feet, dry mouth. So all of these very physical responses to something that is emotional, it's intangible, you know, we can't really grasp onto the future of our nation or (laughs) our money problems or, you know, so it's, um, it really amazed me how our bodies take in stress and what they do to relieve it or try to relieve it. It's almost like, you know, when you're cold, your body shivers and we know that that's a reaction to being cold and why it happens. And, you know, your body's trying to help you. And, um, and so much like with being cold, stress provides some physical reactions as well. Yeah. And those reactions can be short term and, um, somewhat controlled and improved, but there are definitely long term health effects, uh, especially on women. Um, you know, I, I read on, um, the Advent health page, and again, we'll put that link on our website that, Um, stress can cause fertility problems. Women with higher levels of stress may have more trouble getting pregnant than women with less stress in their lives. 
Um, it can also cause PMS. Long-term stress is more likely to cause irregular periods and severe premenstrual syndrome sy- symptoms, which just to think that uh, stress can do that to us. But one that stands out more than any is heart problems, that stress causes a spike in our blood pressure and our heart rate. And over time, the stresses on your heart may lead to serious heart problems, such as a stroke or heart attack, because of that high blood pressure. Um, And then the other one is gastrointestinal distress. You know, there are some people who everything affects them, um, their their gastrointestinal tract. I I will say... (laughs) Um, my husband and I are kind of opposites in that if I get stressed, I want to eat because <laughs> I tend to be, um, you know, I tend to eat, eat my feelings, but if he gets stressed, he cannot eat. He just cannot put food in his mouth. He's just too, his stomach is too upset. So we're on two other, two opposite ends of the spectrum there. Um, I think it's, you know, another interesting, uh, fact about stress is that, Yes, we can respond to it and try to um, curb our symptoms and help reduce stress. But, um, you know, the key to reducing stress is really preventing it. And so how can we prevent stress from being in stressful situations? Certainly, it's not going to be 100% effective. We know that life comes with things that we can't see Um foresee and so that you know we need to be prepared but some things that can help no matter what happens that we can't control um, you can get enough sleep um, eat a well-balanced healthy diet and avoid excess caffeine um, and other stimulants that um, may prevent you from relaxing Um, and so those are just some some preventative tips and I think Um, At least in my experience as a non-professional physician, I'm not a doctor, but um, I've seen a lot of doctors and I have a lot of medical conditions. And what I have noticed a lot about our healthcare system in America is that we often are treating illnesses. We um, do a lot of research into how to treat cancers, how to treat various diseases, how to treat headaches and stress. But what do we do to prevent them? I don't think we do enough, uh, have enough conversation about, um, you know, headache triggers. I know that was something that when mom went to her headache specialist, um, he had her journal and uh, figure out what her triggers were. So she knew how to prevent her headaches for the most part. And once she learned uh, what triggered her headaches, she had fewer of them. And so I think we can apply that to all kinds of things. I'm certainly not saying that eating a vegan diet is going to prevent cancer or eating only popcorn on Mondays and Wednesdays (laughs) is going to, um, you know, fix your broken arm. Um, I think we do need medicine to help us, um, and to treat our illnesses and disease. But I also think, um, that in conjunction with that, we can do better personally and globally of being uh, preventative uh, with disease. And and I, for one, I don't get enough sleep. I know that 100% do not get enough sleep. Um, so I know that I can be better about that. And if I'm feeling stressed or anxious, maybe I just need to sleep a little more. Yeah, I think it's encouraging that we know we can do some things. 
Um, and I think having a right mindset is one of those things. And there are so many ways to, um, to, to achieve that. I know years ago, I'm thinking back in 1995 or so, um, Oprah Winfrey came out with her gratitude journal and, um, every day I would sit down and think about five things I was grateful for. And even if it just ended up being the electricity in the house or the scent of a candle I lit, um, it, it was kind of putting my mind on positive things. And, um, certainly we don't get any kickback from this, but there's a book out and I follow this author on, um, Instagram that every time I see his post, I just feel so um, uplifted. He's written a book with his sketches on it. The book is called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. And the author is Charlie McKesey, M-A-C-K-E-S-Y, McKesey. And um, anyway, it's one of these characters speaking to another of the characters, asking a question or making a comment that seems a bit negative or sad and then the other character coming back with a different perspective and um i think that is one of the things that can help us with stress so you know we talked about having a um positive perspective and how important that is there are things we can do um physically exercise alex and i've been trying to walk and um, we always, of course, have Sadie with us. And it, it really has been so refreshing. I think a lot of that is because in Florida, we've had cooler weather lately. And so we've been able to walk and not pass out. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's been a great thing. So, you know, eating well, um, exercising, those are things that can help with stress emotionally. I think if you are able to um, talk to people or even if you don't feel comfortable sharing something, uh, journaling um, can be such a great thing just to get your thoughts on paper. Um, mentally having a great outlook. And like I said, the book, I really encourage you to check that out or follow Charlie McKessie on uh, Instagram. It's really uplifting just to see those posts. Um occupationally establishing goals and setting limits and having some kind of balance between home and work and kids and all the responsibilities. Um, socially, I think certainly maintaining great relationships that been, are mutually beneficial, but also setting um, some limits and saying no, knowing when to um, just say no. Yeah. I think saying no is overrated or is underrated. Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> um, I think that knowing your boundaries, discovering for yourself what, um, what stresses you out, what you're okay with. Um, and knowing that if you say no, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> like if you don't want to go to that party or if you don't want to go to that gathering and especially in COVID, um, <laughs> I know that I have been invited places and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not comfortable with that. Thanks. Um, and I have a really good excuse, right? Cause there's a pandemic going mm -hmm. on. Um, but I think saying no is it's important. It empowers you. Um, and it helps, uh, you kind of develop your boundaries and, and discover that. But also 
if it's going to put you in a stressful situation to say no because you feel obligated to, that is only harming you. Um, you're presence not being there is not going to harm anybody else, right? Your absence is not going to harm someone. So, um, so think about it and think how that could prevent your stress. Today, we are introducing a brand new segment. Um, Mom named this one Gynosaurus. (laughs) Remember the fossil uh, clue I gave? From last week, yeah. And Gynosaurus uh, this segment is going to be all about old wives' tales, things that we've been told that gets passed down from generation to generation, and it may or may not be true, and we may or may not believe it still to this day. There are things we are told that are not really true, but your grandma told your mama, and your mama told you. They didn't mean you harm, they were doing their best, but now it's time to put them to rest. Gyno, Gynosaurus, debunking those crazy old wives' tales. We thought for this week, our um, old wives' tale... It might be a good idea to do one about our periods, since we've talked about our periods for the last week or two. And so this is one I found, which I felt was very interesting. (laughs) Taking a bath and or washing your hair during your period will cause hair loss, infertility, blurry vision, or even (laughs) insanity. (laughs) What kind of nonsense is that? That is really so hysterical that at some point, somebody really thought that was true and passed it along. I mean, when I had a period, I wanted to bathe every hour (laughs) of the day. Well, we talked about how important it is to have good personal hygiene during that time. Yeah, so it um, it just kind of blows my mind that perhaps there was a time where people were not so hygienic during their periods. <laughs> and that was... Gyno, Gynosaurus, debunking those crazy old wives' tales. Well, thanks for that topic today, Mom. We really appreciate it, and everybody needs to um, learn to discover their stressors and how to prevent them and how to take care of them. Um, so we appreciate those tips. Like we said, all of the websites and uh, articles we mentioned will be listed on our website, www.downthereaware.com. Follow us on our social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, all at Down There Aware. Um, and if you do follow us on social media, you will get a lovely image to go along with our gynosaurus theme um, and segment and um, so I'm pretty proud of that one It, it was fun to do have a great week and thanks for listening